1: Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, been away for a few weeks because we are in the offseason now, but we've got some stuff to talk about. So we've got everyone back together. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Melton, the set manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. I've got two of my line mates with me already, and the third one should be showing up any minute now. So let's before we... Uh, well, before we go anywhere else, let's bring those two who are already here in. Uh, up first, he is the second city hockey. What Luke Bentham is to the dirty nil, you can find him on Twitter at Mill One Eighty Two. It's Mill Savage.
2: That's a good one. I've been on a huge dirty nil kick lately.
1: As have I. Uh, there's something about blasting the dirty nil when you're driving around with the windows down on a nice yep. summer day. That is a. It just fits very well.
2: It's very much. Let's go home and have a beer. It's beautiful out. Absolutely. Uh, great riffs. Great band. Uh, I've been buzzing from Forbidden Door still uh, and Blood and Guts Tonight. I'm going to watch later. So, yay, wrestling. And now hockey. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: it was fun to leave the United Center without uh, being completely full of disappointment for a change.
2: And $114 beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what you going to
1: do? It's Chicago. Mm. Also with us this evening, uh, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at SecondCityHockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy.
3: Um, if you guys hear me chewing in the background, it's because I just got food. Um, and I enjoy talking, but I enjoy eating more. <laughs> so
2: As do I.
3: <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. eat my – um, what do we get? Zaxby's right here.
1: Oh, what, what, what was the order?
3: I got the little nibblers meal. Mm. One and it's like three chicken tenders and buns. Well,
1: well I guess we're, with, well, while we're here, we might as well, with a quick food aside, where do you have Zaxby's on your like fast food chicken fingers ranking at or just chicken tenders, whatever, fast food fried chicken?
3: It's pretty high. Um, I mean, it's not It's Popeye's and then maybe Bojangles and then Zaxby's. But I mm-hmm. like Bojangles because it's got a little bit of spice to it.
2: We don't have Bojangles up here, really. I don't, and I think the nearest Zaxby's is like
1: either Ohio or Kentucky. So, well, at least
3: Bojangles also has like the best chicken biscuits down here, Um, and they have the little potato round things that are like tater tots. Like they're supposed to be hash browns, but they look like squished tater tots. Those are like fucking amazing. (laughs) So, you know, all of them have good fries. Um, Interestingly. Popeye's has the worst fries of the bunch, and Bojangles has the best, and then Zaxby's, but the chicken is best at Popeye's.
2: You know, uh, and I think this is more of a Shea thing, but I've been on a huge Portillo's kick because they got the vegan Chicago hot dog, but hot dogs all taste the same because they're random bullshit. (laughs) So I've been eating like the Chicago dog with cheese on top of it multiple times a week, so I'm probably 50 pounds heavier now.
1: Ah oh, well it's a tasty way to go
2: so that's that's my food contribution <laughs> you know ah, no but i'll look for a guy in sweatpants who's like you know in the back that probably smells like a pack of cigarettes <laughs> well some uh, guy sorry go ahead go,
1: no absolutely no go right ahead
2: i would say i was at a uh, hawks pens uh like before covid and some guy in front of me was talking to me about kessel and he said, yeah, I saw him at the vet when I took my dog in. He was took his pet in, I guess. He's like, yeah, he was in there with some dirty sweatpants. Looked like he hadn't showered. Didn't comb his hair. He had like a Jays hat on, which we have talked about earlier in the chat. <laughs> He's like, he seemed like a typical Yinzer, just though it was a Jays fan. And I was like, I oh, have respect.
1: By the way, uh, speaking of Jays fans, we all saw the Dylan Strome footage from uh, Tuesday night on, uh, I don't know if it was the Toronto broadcast or the Boston Red Sox broadcast when he was MFing the Boston pitcher because he almost pegged George Springer. That was I think, excellent. I think if I if I read lips correctly, I believe Strome's exact words were, fuck you Danish, which I was going to make a donut joke, but I couldn't think of one. But
2: <laughs> just Dylan Strome is clearly one of us.
1: Yeah, that was... If, if he's back with the Blackhawks next season i I want to ask him about that so desperately if they if they let us uh, talk to him well a if he's back with the team and b if we're allowed uh media access and all that but that's another story for later but uh it was just i I enjoy when professional athletes are also sports fans of other sports so just seeing seeing just some random thing on my timeline of uh, a chicago Blackhawks player mFing a a major league baseball pitcher. I thought that was hilarious.
2: Well, the funny thing too, is it wasn't like a Sox or a Cubs game. It was like, the, like clearly he's a like a born a Jays fan. So he was actually super passionate about it. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like the guys will go to like the seller Wrigley or like a bears game or whatever, and mm-hmm. kind of cheer for him, which is cool. But like, it's way funnier when it's the, their actual team that they like.
1: Yeah. Like they're usually sitting in the skybox, you know, not really anywhere near the action and probably mostly, uh, separated from the rest of the people but it looked like Strom was just sitting like 15 rows up down the left field line probably had, had a few beers because that's what you do at baseball games And <laughs>
2: it was like in the section in the cell where you go straight back and there's dipping dots <laughs> you know what i mean you're like oh i'm gonna get these seats so i can get ice cream all day <laughs> they had a jersey on too right yeah yeah like and the throwback like the pullover or something I, it like was that. like
1: the
3: the powder blue one i think yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess like Hi. most of his family was with like like half his family was there too so yeah, strome
1: family Str- yeah. the reunion and it was the
2: strome build your own adventure 14 beers at the jays game
1: <laughs> there you go now Our now my son. now yeah now my new mission is to uh Maybe we can go to a White Sox Blue Jays game and uh, sit and drink with Strome and maybe
3: he'll yell. He'll find
1: out who gets more upset by the White Sox pitchers, me or him.
2: Shit, I'm just going to have to get a strom jersey now, honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Just in time for him to be treated or yeah. not signed.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, to walk in well, free agency. Good job, Mel.
1: Well, hey, uh, what can I do? There is some uh, some actual Blackhawks news we wanted to get to. It seems kind of a big deal that they, uh, they hired a new head coach in Luke Richardson. Uh, the news all broke on Friday. They confirmed it Monday, and there was a big press conference today at the Blackhawks team store. And uh, I, it seems like, from my perspective, the things that uh, seem like Luke Richardson said all the right things didn't do anything out of the ordinary and didn't do anything that, would leave you disappointed by a press conference, which it doesn't seem that difficult to do, but Chicago sports teams seem really good at messing up press conferences. So uh, I guess it was nice in that regard. And he's, you know, he played forever. He's been an assistant coach forever. He's also, he's had a handful of games as an NHL head coach when uh, Montreal's interim head coach at the time was in COVID protocol and he took over during the playoffs. So like, without hiring someone who's already been a head coach full time, like this is about as experienced of a guy as you can get. So uh, I'm going to swing this around to Betsy first and just get your initial thoughts on the hire of Luke Richardson.
3: I mean, I'm glad. So here are the positives. I'm glad that they went with a non retread, like a a non super Mm -hmm. old white dude that we've that's coached a million years, got some new blood in there, but at the same time has experience because they've, and not just like experience in North America, because like J.C. had like none there other than Rockford, but also experience in the NHL, which is the you know fallback for King. He didn't have any of that, so I'm glad on those points. Uh, he seems extremely well liked in every organization that he was in. He has yeah. a ton of experience with younger players. I don't know how like positive that experience is because I'm just not as familiar with um, the sends. AHL team, for example, in Birmingham. Um, I'm just oh, not. The, a, I'm, oh,
1: the, you're not a big Binghamton Senators watcher. No,
3: <laughs> just not that. Just confused. a little off your radar, I guess it has. So, uh, you know, all of those things are good, and he said things that are positive. You know, uh, I was a little worried after reading JJ's um, from the Habs uh, site from eye on the prize as assessment of like how weak defensively the Habs were under him and how that was his area, especially the PK, which are two areas the Blackhawks already are like not good at. Mm. Um, And on top of that, there are certain catchphrases that I'm, I'm not like sometimes I think they're like triggers to me now, but it's like this whole, like North, South checking hard to play kind of words that zing around that I'm like, there's got to be another way to say you're looking for guys who can compete without boiling <laughs> it down to, you know, we're, we're here to like try our best and stuff like that, because that's how you get Reese Johnson's playing too much, you know? You're, um, you're
1: hard to play against is
3: another. Yeah. One but, I mean, he I'm didn't bad say bad. that exactly, but he no, said, he, didn't. he said some phrases that are in line with that whole like mentality, which is a good mentality to have. If you're also looking for it combined with skill, I would just have loved for him to have said that, you know, like mm. not just the whole, like that, that like almost the intangibles of it. It's like, I want a player that you can see the tangibles too. <laughs> <laughs> like there are tangible results from those players and the team, but at the same time, new slate, uh, you can't really, uh, get too wrapped up in the words they're saying it's when they get to the ice. Cause JC and King both sounded fine when they first got here too. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: you got to just hope that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I think the
1: I think the biggest difference between Richardson and some other coach, like between uh, King and Carlton is just he. I feel like he got a little like hockey nerdy or hockey geeky when he was talking about like playing defense with like positioning and and getting into like he kept talking or he had a really long thing about. Chris Weidman's development from an ECHL guy to an NHL guy and yeah. how like he showed, he showed him a, a video where he was like, where Weidman was trying to battle with Pat Maroon in front of the net. And it's like, well, instead of wasting all your energy doing that, why don't you beat him to that position that he wants to be to, or that he wants to get to, and then you don't have to fight him. You can, you know, you're there, he can't be there. So. that yeah, was I, a,
3: The line in that quote that you had, that was, um, I think what they have to do is take all the skill sets that are in a player individually and make that work the best for the system we're going to play. And I'm excited about that mentality a little bit, you know, like I hope it works out. (laughs) Mm.
1: It sounded like he wasn't as much the square peg and round hole that seemed to be prevalent for the last few years. Yeah. I guess. Mill, what about you? What were your thoughts on uh, the hire and also today's uh, press conference? If you had any thoughts there.
2: Well, I hope this guy's like an adult. That's the main thing. He's,
1: I, that's, I I guess that's a good starting point is that uh, he certainly seems that way. Yeah. 53, I think.
2: Cause you know, last couple of years, it's been like, like kind of like what Betsy said, especially in when our, uh, before we got on the pod where it's like, you could say the right things, but when we watch it, like, how is this going to look, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you could be media trained or you could have a nice, you know, you could be savvy, but when it comes down to it, is this guy going to coach the team the right way? So I liked a few of the things he had to say in particular uh, about playing fast because this league, as we all constantly talk about, it's constantly evolving. It's getting faster and Mm -hmm. you can't just beat the shit out of guys anymore. Like you have to play good defense.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So I'm hoping that, Cause you know, this is a starting point there. He's going to build a team eventually, or they are, they are going to him and him and Davidson. I hope they build the team for the future. That's fast. That can play the right way, you know, play within the system that works. Um, so I, I did like some of the things you had to say, but again, it's just really hard, uh, until we see it play out, especially I think it's going to take a little bit of time too, because this roster right now is kind of land of misfit toys.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's, um, it's 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 going to be the ultimate matter of uh, patience because, uh, like you said, Mill. Like there there's ways that he wants that it seems like he wants to play that seem like they'd be a pretty good thing or a pretty good idea. Um, you're not necessarily sure if he has the players he wants right now. Um, that can do that. And also like over the course of a season, you may have some players who you think can do something and then you get them out in the ice and you realize, Oh, Oh no, they cannot. So then it's like, you know, then either they got to go down to the minors or you got to get them out of town because they're not a lot of those. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just kind of sorting through what you have now and and figuring out if it's going to work. But I think the two, the two words that came that you said where he talked about playing fast, I think that was my personal favorite part because you're not, you're not necessarily going to have you know, uh, you know 20 or 18 skaters every night that can fly. You know that's just not possible. Some guys might be a little slower than others, but you can still play fast. The puck's going to move faster than any players do. So if you can get everyone on the same page into a good system where everybody knows where the other player is going to be what, and and they know where their outlets are, they know where their breakout passes and all that stuff. That's how you play fast, and you can make up for any deficiencies in speed. Well, Go
2: ahead, Mel. Yeah, and that's the thing is if they could stretch the ice and positionally, you know, be sound, then you'll have a Seth Jones or whoever who could skate their way out of trouble, and that's fine. Yeah. But you, don't, you can't have six blue liners who need to be able to skate their way out of trouble. Mm-hmm. They have to know where they need to be. So hopefully that's the way that this is going to trend. And it also seems burning it down. Uh, the general manager, too, has to prove himself. So that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they everyone's got to prove themselves. I think like even, you know, even some of the players probably have to prove themselves all over again because of, uh, you know, there's a new regime in charge, a new coach, and they don't necessarily have the uh, the rapport that they did with others. So uh, they have to everyone's got to reprove themselves from the top down. So I think that's it's very much in the, the proving ground stages of the organization and i, I believe think, our penalty ahead, just man.
2: wore i would say i think our penalty just wore off we're full strength again
1: yeah i think this is where you gotta uh, toss in the uh, the mario mushrooms sound that you. yeah they, they,
0: they, because as as the as the as the uh Stanley cup champions do there's the uh one-up sound yeah i'll, I'll put it in there
1: yeah i was trying to make it myself but it didn't work but you just uh heard the voice of the analytics darling of second city hockey you can find it on twitter at shepherd price it's shepherd price
0: hi what's up uh a bit of a long day. Uh <laughs> what are y'all talking about? Uh we're
2: talking well, about
0: meeting you in person and that you're incredibly tall. I, I am the tallest. I I unless Betsy is six foot three secretly, <laughs> I am the tallest. I am the tallest member of Second City hockey. That's right. We you know, are, are pondering you that.
1: <laughs> you you
0: are.
3: Only if I stand on a like stool. <laughs> exactly a foot tall.
1: Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll say while, while we're here, do you want to offer any Forbidden Door thoughts real quick since we missed your initial intro?
0: Hangman hey, should have won the IWGP title. I don't think anybody can convince me otherwise on that. Um, and then I, like Max Max Caster and Billy Gunn winning that match four on two was wild. You got to love that, right? <laughs> that was incredible.
2: Pre-show card was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the whole I think the whole card was great. I think it just got better At, and better. Absolutely, I'm and still then, buzzing.
1: And as I told Mill earlier, it was nice to leave the United Center without disappointment for a change.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy, it might be a while till that happens again. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully not.
1: Well, and, and now that we've got the uh, the wrestling talk out of the way, briefly, Shay, uh, there was some Blackhawks news today with uh, Luke Richardson's press conference. So, uh, any burning thoughts on the the Hawks' new bench boss?
0: Uh, I think Montreal Canadiens fans who would know, I think more than we do right now, uh, how good a coach Luke Richardson is, uh, have been sort of conflicted on him leaving. There's been people who have been like happy about it. And I'm sure there's people who've been sad about it. I'm kind of, maybe I'm reading too much into the tea leaves here, but I'm, I'm kind of upset that he was passed over for a guy whose literal coaching experience was, uh, I, I believe I believe it's called uh Timbits up there um who, it, it, was, it was his kid
3: but yeah, but I mean, it's literally I, that's the only like I feel like Montreal shoots themselves in the foot sometimes. I mean maybe they'll luck out and and St Louis is great, but it's literally just because Richardson is not a Quebecese coach.
1: I, I Somebody mentioned somewhere that he tried to speak French, but it just doesn't it wasn't working for him, but he tried so hard to learn how to speak it because that's what they need in Montreal, apparently.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm the, goodness, the yeah. good news is that will not affect him in Chicago.
0: No, uh, not many French speakers in shy City.
1: No, Jonathan Tays, and that's probably
2: about it.
0: <laughs> Maybe probably. Corey Crawford if Corey Crawford still lives in Chicago. I doubt it, though.
2: we will have to start eating a lot of Portillo's, though. <laughs>
0: like I've been doing all week. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to need to get him a, a, a one and only one. I don't know. A one and one, only one Malort shot. And then he never needs to try it again. But he needs to try it once. <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, we'll we'll report back if we find out Luke Richardson tried Malort or not. But uh, any, anything else to, to add or any other thoughts, Shay, before we I don't know. Before we do whatever's next,
0: uh, I'd say it's a it's proving ground time. I, like I I think there's the rebuilding. So if Luke Richardson turns out to be as bad of a head coach as the last two, fine, literally fine. Like it's it's the perfect time for that. Uh, it's the it's the perfect time to make another to make a mistake um, at, ho- at head coach because then you can just fire him and move on. And I feel bad in two years.
1: That's that's a good point. It is a, it is a low risk, low reward time on the on the agenda.
3: I mean, um, they signed him for four years. Didn't yeah, they? I, was, I mean, they, I know they, I know
0: they can fire the him, though.
3: but but three years is a year is like feels like the standard for coaches usually on their first four years is an interesting number.
1: Well, I, I imagine that was part of the the conversation was that you know this is going to be a long term thing, so maybe he gets a little bit of a longer leash then other coaches because as we were talking about before Shay came on the air here, that um, a lot of these players aren't going to be around in a year or two. And I mean, I don't think there may be several of them that do not fit into the mold of an NHL player that Davidson and Richardson envision for the future of this team. However, they do have to have an NHL roster full of 18 skaters every night. So they got to have somebody play. So like, there's some guys that might just fill just fill a spot just to get 82 games. And then next season, they'll be gone.
2: So Reese yeah. Johnson.
1: <laughs> look, yeah, can we watch Poor whipping boy? Look, I'm sure he's a nice guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing that in <laughs> whistle um, article. You would go. All you had to do was always look to the worst section. And it was Reese Johnson. And
1: oh, poor guy.
3: I mean, like I started to feel bad. For like even looking at the charts, <laughs> like,
1: how dare how uh, dare you do your research?
2: I mean, it is what it is. We yeah. don't we don't you know. He might be great. He might be a great guy. Or maybe Hopefully. he sucks. We don't know. Yeah, no. maybe he's dick. Who knows? <laughs> Honestly, let's hope it's the latter. So we don't feel bad.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you know, uh,
1: whatever. Um, but yeah, I I, I think the. The thing we were talking about earlier, Shea, is like I at least for me, I don't want to speak for the other two. My my just initial thought was that it can't. There is nothing about today that like I left shaking my head thinking like, oh, this was a horrible idea. Like at very minimum. It's just, you know, he said all the right things. Let's see what happens next, because whatever he said, cool. But they've got to prove it on the ice now. And it's going to be a potential multi-year process.
0: Yeah. Like if he starts oh nine and two, A, probably a good thing considering where we, where they want to no, be. No B I'm, I can't be I
1: I can't deal with that again. And then he
0: absolutely won't get fired is the thing. Well you say oh
2: nine and two or nine and two? Oh nine and two. That can't happen again.
1: They they lost I thought it was ten of a, yeah,
2: whatever. That
1: whatever. Hope they the lost eleven straight. I've tried to erase that from my memory. I,
2: I don't it think was. the Hawks will be like worse than like five hundred or like maybe four fifty. Like I don't think they'll be that bad. Well,
1: it's a, it depends on what happens at the, the draft next week. It depends on whether or not they trade Alex to brink it or not.
2: Yeah, I, that's true. I think the division's gonna be kind of bad too.
1: Well, oh, yeah. uh, the, by the way, the, I don't know how many of you Fiala saw that got the Wild today. just traded Fiala to the Kings. Yeah. I mean, the Wild are still going to be pretty good, but that's a that's a pretty big piece for them to lose. You know oh, what? Fuck the
2: Wild, though. They disappointed us.
1: They always disappoint us. That's their existence, is to disappoint
2: themselves and them fans. I mean, this is the, only fir- the first time I really rooted for them ever.
3: I don't think—they couldn't afford him, right? Yeah, but and he got—
1: I think it was seven years and 7.8 million from the Kings. Which
3: I was reading was below his like market value for the full term. So I was actually surprised because I was like, it, I knew he was he'd getting good, good, but I was also like, that's like for him. I don't know why. I,
1: I know he just had a point per game season, but that's also the first time he's ever done that. And to well, so all LA's. of a sudden throw 7 million, uh, almost 8 million a year for seven years at a guy just based off one incredibly good season. I would be very nervous about that, but that's just me.
2: I don't know what Brown, Dustin Brown's contract is, but that clearly just came off the books. So, So, I mean, he he had to be making some kind of average-ish, you know, top six money. He was there forever. So it's like that probably freed up some room for them. But like, I thought thought he was like, oh, shit, really? he, He was their Seabrook contract,
1: if I remember correctly.
0: Or pretty close to it. I'd rather have Brent Seabrook. I yeah, they do. signed
3: him to 5.875 in 2013.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure
2: Seabrook is better in the room. Yeah, Dustin Brown kind of just, like, I don't know. He seems like he has mustard stains on his shirts. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think of him as, like, a guy who eats a hamburger and gets it all over himself.
3: Poor guy. He's probably a nice guy. He
2: got the (laughs) C-stripped off of him, so I don't know if I want to call it. I don't think Uh, Dustin Brown's a nice guy. Have you seen him on the ice?
3: No, I feel like the guys that are... Sometimes guys that are really awful on the ice are, like, super nice off the ice. Like, Marchand is apparently very nice off the ice now. Like, he went through, like, a trouble phase, but, like, he seems nice enough off the ice, but...
1: You know, and I, I know it was a different era, but, like, Luke Richardson might be a good example of this as well because I think he's... 51st all time in the history of the NHL in penalty minutes, and uh, as Kyle Davidson said today, he's never heard anyone say a bad word about him. So
2: Marshan looks like the Simpsons depiction of the devil mixed with Nomar Para.
0: So I don't know yet- if I could. <laughs>
1: that is such a specific reference, but I enjoy it
3: so very much.
0: <laughs> and yeah, oh, Brad Marchand. Is also one of the most vocal allies in the NHL.
3: Yeah, I was like, he seems like a nice guy off the ice. He's just a rat. Like, borderline, yeah, like that, awful. Like
0: <laughs> That's the thing you find out about, like, that's the thing comedians say about other comedians is like, the, the, the meanest comedians on stage are like the nicest people off because they that's where they get all their rage out. And I feel like that's Brad Marchand doing T. Is that like yeah. he gets all, all his rage out on the ice and then he's a very nice person off the ice. But to because be rage,
2: fair, not can, that's really like a comedian's rage. job. Like Brad Marchand doesn't have to I, fucking be a dickhead on yeah, the ice. he doesn't have
3: to knee people. It's his job, it's, <laughs> it's, not to yeah. break
0: kneecaps. In the I, I I feel like that's how he got. Like I feel I I. This is my theory on Brad Marchand is that that's how he got in the NHL. It was like being the rat, and now that he's super talented and everybody knows he's super talented, he just can't shake that mindset because that's what got him to where he I is. I mean,
3: super. that's like the Kadri effect. You know, Cadre was really good, and then he kept getting better, but he also kept Fucking it up, but then he was like, when he got into the right situation and kept calm, he was yeah. amazing. But, but
2: Kadri is more of like a red ass player, and, and Marshan is kind of like, goes out of his way sometimes, I feel I like, mean, to hurt people. Kadri gets
3: red sometimes.
2: No, yeah, he Not was as red right. ass, but, but, usually as right. was, but usually it was like on a back scale of like
3: like one to Tom Wilson. He's <laughs> like, oh,
2: <laughs> that's a brutal I was scale. I say Dion.
1: one to Rafi Torres, so we're about <laughs> in the same world there.
2: There's like, once you get past six on that scale, I just throw up.
1: <laughs> all right. So. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're, we're going to take a quick timeout because we started talking about Tom Wilson and Rafi Torres. Yeah, I got to go brush Marchand. my teeth. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> well, far too much Brad Marchand talk for my liking. And then we're going to take a quick break and uh, probably talk about some Stanley Cup playoff stuff now that it's all done and uh, maybe take a quick glance ahead to the NHL draft next week. So uh, take, uh, take a quick break with us and we'll be right back on the other side of this timeout
0: Just go to cars.com. It's magical.
1: Welcome back to musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, one to do a quick uh, look back at the Stanley cup final that just wrapped up over the weekend with uh, the Colorado avalanche winning and, uh, main my main disappointment is I think I was gonna be like in the top three or four in our uh, bracket challenge at second city hockey and because the avalanche won I think I'm down at like 30 or something i I keep forgetting I gotta post the uh post the results of that online and give credit to the winner but other than that uh it was a damn entertaining series. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, just, I kind of wanted the lightning to win. So whatever. Uh, but Shay, I'll just throw it over to you first. Uh, your uh, stand Cup playoff thoughts.
0: Uh, I had the Colorado avalanche winning it. Um, Humble brag. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the <laughs> other team I had in, in it was the, the we've got swept in the second round. Um, so there's that uh, well, real
1: quickly. Uh, if I don't know if they're listening to this, but uh, congratulations to be fan 27. They won by 10 points a decisive nice margin at the top. Nice work. There will nice be job. uh you, you'll get your credit at second on Thursday. I promise. Sorry, Shay, please, please
0: continue. All good. Uh Yeah. Like it was a good playoffs. Um, I think great. I like Elliot Friedman said, it's probably like, it's not the best, but it, it, it came up just shy. Like it was like the best team, I think in the playoffs won the playoffs. I think. Um, yeah. It was he- a nice handoff moment. And it it felt,
1: it felt like even if the lightning won, like you wouldn't have been disappointed. Like it wouldn't have been a fluke if they had won,
0: you know? No, it felt like the two best teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It felt like the two best teams in the league. Like sometimes you get the, uh, either the Western or Eastern conference final, like in 2014, when the Kings beat the Hawks, Nobody, no one had nobody anywhere expected the Rangers to win, and I think the Kings walked in and swept them. Like the Stanley Cup final was decided. And it was four okay, to one, but they're yeah. all
2: there were all overtime games. But we, we all knew LA was good. Yeah,
1: but the, like this was not that. This was the two best teams got there at the end and had a hell of a series. And uh, Darcy Kemper played better than I think a lot of people thought he would, and that's why Colorado. Well, part of the reason why Colorado was able to win out.
3: I mean, he, he yeah. played evenly. Well, yeah.
1: Well, exactly. I and I think, I think what I was what I was thinking was that Tampa Bay was going to make him look below league average, if not See, worse.
3: That's the reason I thought. I don't think Tampa was the best team in the East this year. I think it was Florida, and Florida got Vasilevsky just put on a clinic. There was no reason other than that that Tampa should have won that that series, much less swept. To me. But that's just...
0: Which is why I'm trying to get Dave on board the Andrew Burnett train, is that, like, it wasn't Andrew Burnett's fault they lost in four games.
3: Oh, it definitely wasn't. Somebody in the comments said something about he didn't switch anything up, and it was like, he made tons of changes. They couldn't solve Vasilevsky, and that was the only thing. They were burning Tampa that entire, like, pretty much every game except one, which was kind of close. Um, But it's kind of like the Colorado series. Colorado was better in definitively better in four of the six games, the ones they won, and then Mm. slightly better in one of the ones they lost. And then slightly like it was pretty even in that last one with Tampa being slightly better. Um, But I think definitively Colorado, the only reason they, Colorado was by far the best team and put on the best show. Um, And then Florida was the next best team. They just got goalied.
1: Yeah and and to to your point Shay about Brunette, like i i if the if the Hawks had made a run at him i would not have been disappointed either like um i i think my only concern with him that i i think we were talking about in our slack chat was that i wasn't sure how much of the ship he had assembled or, or if he was just driving the ship that Joel Quinville built and not and not that he didn't make changes as Betsy said in the series but there was that was just like my, my one like mild concern like maybe he's not I I don't know how much I can, how much credit I can give him for any success they had because it was like he just took over the middle of the season. If they're back there next year, well, he's not the coach anymore, so never
3: mind. Yeah, the sample was too one.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it was certainly like there was a good enough sample where if they the Hawks had brought him in, it would have been well. Actually, you would have been the collective eye roll because oh, great, they hired a former Black Hawk to be the coach. (laughs) So, so there's that.
0: I mean, to be fair, if Andrew Burnett is just a less problematic Joel Quinville, I think that's a really good coach.
1: Absolutely. And, and like if, if he brought the same system, it would be pretty great without all the off-ice issues that uh, came up during Quenville's tenure. But uh I guess we don't have to worry about that now. Um the other the other thought, though, switching back to the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs really quick is uh I somebody mentioned this on Twitter and I forget who it was, but the the point they pointed out that not the worst time for the Blackhawks to enter a rebuild because if you go to the Colorado Avalanche uh, cap friendly page, like Rantanen's under contract next year, so is Cog, so McKinnon, so is McCarr, so is Gerard, so is uh, Devontae, so is Bowen Byram still on his entry level deal? Like that team, that team should be really fucking good for a long time, and I. I mean, they, they're going to look like some of the depth guys they've got some issues with, like Kadri's a free agent, Nechuskin's a free agent, uh, Cagliano, Burakovsky are free agents as well, all unrestricted, but uh, the core of that team is going to be very much intact for a while. So uh, maybe maybe let that uh, let them run the league for a little bit while the Hawks lay low in a, in a rebuild.
0: I I feel like Kadri and Nechuskin, though, are not necessarily depth pieces. Both I feel players. like... Yeah, I feel like Nooteskin yeah. is is like losing Patrick Sharp. Uh,
3: yeah, he yeah. was so good and very, very key to a bunch of their victories. So
2: the thing is, though, that now that the Abs are kind of established, there may be some guys who are willing to go there for a little less. Mm-hmm. Um, if because the the way I look at it is not that it's a cakewalk, but be, between the central and the Pacific, if, if you're Colorado, you probably have an easier shot at getting to the final than if you're playing in the East.
0: Oh, than then playing in the East. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, I, I think, I no, think no, it's right. a harder division of the Pacific, but I, I agree with you uh,
2: for sure. I just mean like, generally speaking. And when you look at how crazy, like look at how good Toronto really was this year, as much as we joke and they just fucking drew Tampa Bay. Like what, you know, what can you do? So, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of, um, I don't want to say, like, just how they reload their team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to kind of have to do the Hawks thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, they certainly seem like they are primed for multiple cups if they like to essentially do what Tampa did. Like one of you mentioned, it was kind of the the handoff from the, the, the prior dominant team to the next
2: dominant well, team. You know, this really reminded me a lot of Tampa Bay, um, because even though they did get to a final against the Hawks, it was a little bit of a different Tampa team, just slightly. Um, but they... Took a couple more years to kind of get back there. And then they finally got there and then and mm. they won. That's kind of what Colorado looked like. They're getting bounced in the second round. They they shouldn't have. Of, and you know, so they might be the next team to beat.
1: And you know, like this year they have all these unrestricted free agents. Uh and next year, Eric Johnson's six million come off comes off the books. That should help out their financial situation a ton. But then they have to give more money to McKinnon. But I mean, Rantanen's locked up for three years. Landis Coggs locked up forever. I think, uh, Kale McCarr's locked up till 2027. Jesus.
2: Uh, and the cap's going to go up by then. Imagine what his deals. Gonna well, be yeah, like. and
1: I, every day it seemed I got a new email from ESPN PR telling me how high the viewership was for the NHL's postseason this year. So, uh, as you said, Mill, I think the Stanley, the Stanley cup, the salary cap will start going back up again in the next few years, hopefully. And, uh,
2: Thanks to not signing with fucking versus this time. <laughs> right. Jesus.
1: So they, uh, so, so they might have some, they might not have the cap restraints at the Hawks and, and kind of the lightning had to deal with for a oh, while too.
2: I'll, I'll just say this really quick. This is the first time that a final happened where the Hawks weren't in it, that I heard people talking about it, like at work or at, you know, like people who aren't big hockey fans and yeah. kind of in the same breath as the NBA. And I was surprised.
1: Well, I, I think that's entirely because it's on ABC and on ESPN.
2: Yeah. And you have a team looking to win three in a row and that might bore some people, but like Dave, you said, uh, maybe last week, the dynasty thing is a big draw. Oh, absolutely. Like with yeah. the Golden State Warriors, that kind of thing. So And the,
1: and then it's not only, you know, it's not only the game gets broadcast on ABC instead of on cable like it was under NBC, but like the game's on ABC, it's on basic cable, and then after the game's over, you turn on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt, and he's yeah, talking, about talking about the Stanley Cup, hockey. and he's interviewing Stamkos or McCar or, or uh, McKinnon, whoever the star was that night. Like, this is how this is all good for the league from a financial perspective, which should be good for the salary cap. Agreed. So and hopefully that become hopefully we have to worry about the Hawk salary cap structure again at some point in the next three to four years. Uh but right now it doesn't that's uh very low on the list of concerns with the team. Yep. Uh, I guess we'll, uh, while we're here, might as well swing it back around to the Blackhawks really quick because there was one thing that uh, Kyle Davidson talked about at the press conference that we wanted to touch on briefly. Uh, he was asked about uh, just any players being untouchable, which I, I'm guessing was partially in reference to Taves Kane and Seth Jones because they have no movement clauses, but also in reference to Alex DeBrinkett, because there's all this talk about... Uh, trade rumors and all of that. And I'm going to read the exact quote from Kyle Davidson here. It's uh, there are some players who are untouchable because of their contract status. They've earned that. Uh, We'll hold true to that, but we are in a position where we are listening. I think it would be unwise to do anything, but we're not going to force anything. We're not going to do something just to do something. It's incumbent on us to listen to what's out there, what the interest is. If that can help us moving forward, that's what we'll do. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw this over to Betsy first, but what this sounds like to me is exactly the Brandon Hagel situation all over again. That if they get a Alex DeBrinket offer that knocks their doors down, uh, they'll take it. But that the uh, doesn't necessarily mean they're shopping him around to every team for a trade. Uh, but what do you think about that?
3: I don't like the idea of trading it just like on the face value because the chances of getting a player that is his quality is not high. Um, mm-hmm. unless you draft regularly in the top. And like obviously it was not in the top, but like the chances of you finding him, period, is low, much less where he was actually selected. So the Blackhawks were already really lucky once. Um, <laughs> it seems almost egotistical to think that they would be really lucky again. Um and some of the trade options that people kind of throw out there that they play around with all involve picks this year. And I know Davidson is like really interested in getting a first rounder this year, but like, they're so like, they're lower value than most other drafts. Like the top three in this draft would like, she right might be in the top five in a couple of other drafts, but like the other two that are like, often up there, Cooley, and I'm never going to pronounce his name right, but you know who it is? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> always, ha- always have Shay ready to just <laughs> be able to say words. I cannot. Um, those two would be ranked out, like, just Cooley, for example, would rank under uh, where Zgris did in 2019, just to give you, so that's outside the top 10. So just... <laughs> Give you give you a reference point there. So I don't know. These Dubrincik is young, and if you trade him, I think you're signaling that you think that the rebuild is going to take at minimum five years, if not more. Yeah, I and think- that's a big signal to give to the fans who you also still want to put butts in the seat at least a little bit, because um, as you as we saw last year, the first half of the season you know, attendance went down as it got colder. But then in the second half of the season, even though they weren't really doing that much better, they still, the attendance did pretty high. It wasn't 100% all the time, but it was still pretty good. And I don't know, they still need to put players on the ice. They still need to put good players on the ice occasionally for tickets. And then on top of that, I just, I think it's a weird thing to trade your best young player. Also, why make the trade for Brandon Hagel for two players who are the exact same age as to bring it when you're then going to trade to bring it. So I, it's a weird situation to me.
1: Yeah. I i am still fervently against the, uh, just even the notion of trading else to brink it because he's, he's 24 and, and he like, it just, it feels like, I don't want to say the coward's way out. It just feels like the easier way out of like, just trade everyone away and we'll start all over instead of, um, Taking what you have and trying to build around it. Like not like going for broke and spending money in free agency next year or even next summer, but uh but at least like try and slowly assemble a ship with Alex to bring it as the captain of it. Um and maybe you still have Kane around Taves, probably not, but whatever. Just the idea of trading away a twenty-four-year-old Ford who's scored forty goals twice already, just seems I, it just it, it feels like it goes against every sensibility that I have about sports in general and hockey specifically. But
0: that's yeah, just it's the dumbest me. thing on earth. Trading <laughs> away, trading away, dumb. Alex and Brinkett would be the dumbest thing on earth. I don't care it's, what the return is.
1: Like I, I, I hate to evoke this trade again because I think I mentioned it before. But it's like when the Hawks traded Chris Shelley, it was Like twenty, it was. 23 years ago now. Fucking hell. I'm old. But, but when they trade, different. He asked to be traded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I understand the circumstances were different. And and obviously, if they I don't know if they're going to trade to bring it to the Red Wings. Uh,
2: and that was a also Chelios was like 54 years old. But no, the, no,
1: no. He was, I, I, he was I, like in his, he, was in a, he was in his 30s, but he was played till he was. 54. I, I think he got I, Norris votes.
2: A few I'm years. joking. He was good. No, for I like, know. Pretty much like 20 whole years. He was still good.
1: But they got like they got Anders Ericsson back was a defenseman who sucked, and they got two first round picks that became nothing. It's just, yeah. you know, if you you're gonna know. you're gonna trade a a guy of Alex DeBrinket that's a value of like a hundred, and uh, if you're gonna get like even if you get four twenty fives, that's nowhere near as good as the one hundred piece that you have.
2: You, you know the way I would put it is I think it would be really dumb to trade Alex DeBrinket. I also think it would be dumb just to not listen to offers, not to take really? them. But yeah. I think you should just say, okay, this is what this team values mm-hmm. him at. This is what this team ba-. just to start getting some market idea, I don't think they should move him at all. I just think that they should listen and not say nope, because then maybe if if somebody else not to bring it, maybe they can move them and maybe kind of weasel something better out of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like like you said, Mill, like it's kind of like a due diligence thing. Like the fact that they're like taking phone calls on on him, like that's not that's just part of the job. Like I, I imagine that's part of their, how they're, how they're navigating where they're going to go from here, but. He
2: should be their captain eventually.
1: I mean, yeah.
3: we just had a trade with Fiala, right. And he got a first and a prospect and he's not as good as to Andy's And he's older, but. He's
1: not even under contract right now. It was just, you know, obviously the rights. Kings get. Yeah, the king didn't rights for him because he was a R, he was RFA
3: right or was he? Yeah, RFA? yeah. I, mean, I think he was. It, restricted.
1: It, would, it
3: would be the same situation except the it would cost more. The it's going to be in the nine million or more range, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And, but, and uh, he's got. Uh,
1: I think he has a better proven track record than Fiala does.
3: Yeah, but Fiala got a what's probably going to be. He got next. It was next year's two thousand and right. It was a two thousand and no. It was this year. So uh, you know a mid first-round pick in a shitty, not shitty draft, but, like, not as deep draft. And then Brock Faber, who just hasn't done anything at... (laughs) 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 Like, um, he's fine. Like, he's a... B minus prospect. Like he should be better. He's. I know the Kings liked him, but they he wasn't like a big grab. So like I don't know.
1: A, um, he was actually drafted right around the time that Dubrincic was. He was forty fifth overall, I think. Dubrincic was like forty third or something.
2: Look, I think I think though, like it's like contextually, like Dubrincic is a world beater. He's very capable of just scoring at will. If they put him in that position, it's like Kevin Fiala is a good player and he's more of a pain in the ass to deal with than anything. Mm -hmm. But the Kings are probably like, hey, this division sucks. Let's get what we can out of it. And the wild are like, we have to deal with fucking Colorado. We don't want to overpay guys. (laughs) We got to build still like Kaprizov's young, you know.
3: Well, and the Kings have a deep system, so they don't really need a first right now.
2: Right. They just need some kind of guy who could play in your top six and can be troublesome.
3: Yeah, they've got enough young guys that are going to tri- be impacting this year, next year, and that have been impacted in the last couple of years that they're fine with throwing away a couple of firsts if they need to to start picking up pieces that are already established for yeah.
2: the wild need that depth, though. Yeah, because Caprizo is a star, but like look at it like <laughs> clearly they got manhandled like wow. mm-hmm. yeah, you're unfortunately. you're,
1: you're going to need you're going to need four lines to beat Colorado.
2: Maybe five. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And, and then maybe an all-star goalie on top of it just to be Maybe four defensive
0: pairings. <laughs> yeah. Three, yeah.
1: Not nine Fords, eight defensemen. Good luck.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 gonna be no pun intended. It's gonna be an uphill battle to beat Colorado, especially in a seven game series. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they're they're gonna be a problem for everyone. Uh like and, and kind of related to the De talk, there was also uh Davidson was also asked about the uh, potential for trading into the first round and it was kind of the same answer of um you know we're not hell bent on doing it but you know if, if we get a good deal his his exact words were i'm not looking to force anything uh so you know maybe the, i i don't know why d- like maybe one of you can chime in on this i don't feel like the hawks need to trade into the first round this year like i like they have two second round picks and three third round picks like make the hey. make Get one or two good NHL players out of that group, and and you have a higher quantity of picks in there, and then maybe like trading two or three of them for a a not as high per you know you trade in the first round. It's a higher percentage that they can become a star, but then you lose the quantity of picks you had deeper to maybe get more swings at developing a really good NHL player.
0: If yeah, that if, have... if, if I said that all right. They need they need more swings more than anything. And also yes. I'd rather trade I'd rather get another pick in next year's I, draft than a, than a pick yeah, in this year's yeah. draft. I truly think if if the
2: Hawks were to trade for a first round pick, it would only be a guy that they say we don't see this guy having a future here. And I really don't think any of those guys are worth like Jonathan Taves isn't gonna trade his no move clause to go to a top ten team.
1: Yeah.
2: He's and gonna I, go to a bottom ten team.
1: Exactly, and I I also don't know if Jonathan Tate is going to fetch a first round pick too. Is the is the other side of that? Well, right,
2: but so, you know, there's always hockey GMs are stupid, so <laughs>
1: that you could you could always count on a hockey GM doing something well, weird.
2: Can I ask the panel a question? Our no per- personal Sorry. opinions aside, do do you guys think if if we had the old regime that Bowman would have traded Kirby Doc by now? Yes. I was thinking about that. I'm like, he might have been traded for a reclamation project by now.
3: Literally Bowman had like the shortest, like wick <laughs> ever, like toward like, the minute he got some runway. He was like, yeah, trade everybody. But even like it didn't matter. They slump a little bit, trade them
1: trade a trade He would try to wherever he is he's probably trying to call someone to trade for kirby ducks like it's a reclamation project you guys know like
2: it it would have been like kirby doc for someone like jimmy vc or some bullshit like that (laughs) it's like what the fuck i was just because i don't think they should trade him anyways i just was like i mean i don't think you're gonna get his value so it's like whatever yeah But i was thinking about that
1: better to cross your fingers and hope he becomes something close Closer yeah. to the number three overall pick that he was initially, or that he was, you know. Bellman
3: was part of the reason most of the players didn't work out in the first place, because they all got rushed. And yep. this, I think that is a big part of why several of them had slumps, and then they were traded, and then they were fine, or better in other situations.
2: Yeah, they gave everybody the treatment as if it was Taves and Kane, where they could just come in and play, and it's not the case. He yeah. was
3: trying too hard to force, like, he, you know, we, we all praised him for 2013 and 15 by finding these uh, pieces that could fill in the gaps. And he was just forcing young guys. Cause he needed it because of cap reasons into places before that they were ready to fit in those roles. Um, it was just <laughs> dumb.
2: And I didn't mean to spur up that talk. I was just thinking about doc <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, wow. Okay. Like, what is this year? Uh, for? It 1920, will be, 20, yeah. 21. He Played yeah.
3: one hundred and
2: fifty-two games. Yeah, not not games wise. I just mean no. like. It be,
3: yeah,
1: it will be his sport His actually, he's uh, his entry-level contract expired. He needs new yeah. a new deal.
2: That's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. So yeah. it's like, wow, he last like he outlasted a lot of draft picks. <laughs> he
1: would a- he would actually be the first first-round pick that the Hawks have given a second contract to since. I don't even fucking. I can't Brandon tell Sod. He was no, a second-round uh, pick.
3: And is on it, top of that, they didn't give him a.
2: They didn't give him a second contract.
1: Yeah, contract. they right, traded
3: Brandon. him because <laughs> yeah. Bowman was a dumbass. Uh, okay. yo, is yo, is you're, right Sott, you're
2: right about Brandon Saad. You're right about Brandon being a second round pick. I thought because he came up and had like Rockford money, I thought he might have got a. So no,
3: the only deal. so of top like top top prospect like people before Debrinkit, the last one that they that Bowman signed to a second year deal was Panarin, but then he immediately traded him.
2: And it wasn't a draft no, pick, obviously. Yeah. So. No, yeah, but
3: I'm saying like any t- anything, anybody who was really good for the Blackhawks, it was a top pick. None Shaw. of them not a single one of them made it to their second.
2: No,
1: the, Andrew
3: Andrew Shaw didn't make it to his second, did he? He got traded before I, I thought two. he had
2: a
0: second deal. I well, thought he was on his second. I, I was saying
1: the last, I was saying the last first round pick from the Hawks to get a second contract with the team, and that was Patrick Kane.
2: Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> Yeah,
3: right. Andrew Shaw got a second. Yes, yeah, he
1: did. Yeah. I just, yeah, just just landed on the cat friendly page as well. He got a. a I was like two what? by two.
3: Um,
2: Hammer. Well, again, t- not talking first round. Just talking. Hammer had a couple deals.
3: Yeah, he
1: did too. Yeah, he was, he was a fourth round pick, but
2: right. Uh,
3: but he was still a t- like, if we're talking top people,
2: yeah. yeah, I just mean top players, not like uh. first round, because he was he was there for quite a while. Um. But yeah, I. Uh, I, I feel like the Kirby Doc thing. It's almost
1: it's a similar boat as it where like you know they won't hang up on uh, like they'll take the call, but uh, I don't I don't know who's offering a lot for Kirby Doc right now, unless there's some GM out there that uh you you can play off the ego. There's some GM out there that thinks he knows why Kirby Doc is hasn't been good, and that yeah you bring him to to my team and we'll figure it out. You might
2: just think they suck. <laughs> oh yeah they, like the hawk sucks so he's like not performing like shit like anaheim might be like we're gonna get him to replace getz it's like okay
3: <laughs> well i mean it's it's such an interesting thing because there are so many examples and they're not uncommon but they're not like super common either but there are enough of them where you're like these top picks that got slightly rushed or put in the wrong situation in the minute that gets reversed and i brought up two in my doc one which is always uh, Coutier, Coutier.
2: How do you say his name? Every
3: Coutier. time, Sean Couturier. Couturier, <laughs> and or Vukicla D
2: says Coutiro.
3: <laughs> so Cesaro. I don't <laughs> know his name
0: anymore. <laughs> I, know, I know,
1: I know. Sorry, sorry, Betsy. Please <laughs> You're
3: fine. I just I always use him as an example because he's he was rushed to the NHL, not used properly. He mostly was defensive. He couldn't get his offense going very well, though. To be fair, he did get his offense going better than Doc did. Um, uh, but he was playing on a deeper team, too, at the time. The Flyers yeah. were a better team than the Blackhawks had been. Um, that's, and then, this,
2: that's, like, despicable to even think about. I know.
3: And then when the team started getting better and his coach changed, then here you go. You've got a player that finally – but it just took way longer. It took, like, five seasons for him. Or six. I think it was a sixth season that he started getting above a .5 PPG. I mean mm-hmm. – that's crazy to think about, but, like, I mean, Nathan McKinnon didn't give a, get above uh 53 until his fifth season after putting up 60-something in his rookie year, so.
1: And, you know what, uh, and then if I could bring this back to Luke Richardson for a moment, because I think, whoop. like, <laughs> it's Luke, son of Richard, but
2: uh, – <laughs>
1: but anyway uh, the reason I brought him up is just the the one thing that seemed to bother me during the Carlton and King eras was that like, I guess the lack of accountability is the best word for it, that it seemed like there were players that were fucking up on the ice and they weren't getting scratched. They weren't getting benched. They weren't losing ice time. And it's just, it seemed like, it felt like there were players that could just get away with whatever they wanted or, or just, I don't know, like just the whole, the idea of a lack of accountability. And then like, it seems like with Richardson, like everyone said, like he's a really nice guy. Um, he he, you know, he's really personable. He'll he'll, t- he'll sit and talk to you. He used to like host Super Bowl parties for his team every year, but at the same time, he's also a very no nonsense. We have a job to do. We need to get it done. Type of guy. So, it, with a guy like Kirby Doc, maybe Doc needs to understand like that there are consequences when you don't do your job, and maybe there there's some message from Richardson to Doc that can get through to Doc and turn him into the player everyone's been hoping he could
2: be. Well, and I think on that front, too, maybe he'll point him to the right position coaches, like something Betsy and I have talked about his positioning and the problems mm -hmm. he's having. Not just, like, accountability, but, like, hey, let's fix this guy.
1: Yeah, because, like, I think that that was more of a King thing than a Colleton thing. Like, the Colleton thing was a whole other uh, situation. But, like, with King, it seemed like there was a lot of just, you know – Uh, You know, just go out there and play. And if you mess up, you know, come back to the bench and maybe do better next time. It didn't seem like and it didn't seem like there was ever a, a consequence for when guys weren't playing well. And I would point to the power play as exhibit A of this because the Hawks power play was ranked 20th in the league or something somewhere in the twenties yet Kane to Brinkett and those guys were taking a minute and a half on every power play yet never scoring. And like at some point get off the damn ice and get the second power play unit out there. And maybe they'll score. And it felt like that was a theme up and down the roster. Maybe that won't be a thing under Luke Richards. Right.
2: Like back in the Q days when someone would just be fucking off, he'd turn purple and start screaming <laughs>
1: I there was
2: like, like he's losing oxygen. He's was, so pissed.
1: There, there was like a thing with Christopher Stieg where he tried to do like a a behind the back, either a behind the back or between the leg shot. And Versteeg came to the bench. I think Quinville like said, "If you do that again, I'm going to kick you in the throat or something stupid." Like that.
2: <laughs> it
3: and is it's just, fucking wrestling. Like, and
1: like maybe not, maybe not to that extent,
2: but ju- oh just the God. idea
1: of like you're not going to do that when I'm the coach. So
2: and he just went out there and he was like, "Chris Versteeg, baby." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to have to mock up a shirt now. Oh, well, Chris Versteeg's been retired for a while. We, so. Well, we love him on TV, don't we, folks? <laughs>
1: Is it, wh- where is he on tv at in canada oh okay sorry
2: i uh haven't been up there in a while well i get the package and they send us the the, the like home home broadcasts so wh- which team he was covering the oilers i believe what? right i think maybe he was an was an for a while team. wasn't was
3: he was he's just a cont- regular contributor for sportsnet for okay. for sportsnet
2: yeah okay that, yeah, that makes his, more sense.
3: His, his Wikipedia pages. He gained notoriety for his bold opinions and thoughtful critiques <laughs> on <laughs> topics ranging from rule enforcement to players' fashion sense. Really, not
2: his video. freestyle raps at parades. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I knew he was on um, NHL radio too. I've heard some of his.
1: I didn't. Ago. I didn't know he was becoming such a big media sensation in Canada. Okay, yeah, good for him.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, I just. Uh, I had to throw that out there because in, if anybody pissed off Q, you know it was Versteek Like you yeah. said, Dave.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'll have to find well, He pissed or, all of us off or, collectively, or or Stahlberg or yeah, there, there's or, or Jeremy Morin or Brandon Peary or
2: <laughs> fucking Kyle Runblad. <laughs> but somehow said- bowling. Did you say Kyle Rundblad? Is that what you just said? Kyle Rundblad, remember him, number five. He, he was on the it, Cup team. It's David. David. Redenblad. I thought you were making a Star oh. race, <laughs> No, I Kylo just did, I just fucking forgot his it's name. D- That's D- how unimportant yeah. he was. <laughs> I was thinking I combined Kyle Comiskey and David Rundblad. Holy there he, shit! Okay, yeah. I mean
3: they were pretty much.
2: Yeah, they both stunk. Hey,
1: but so. they they got their rings.
3: Yeah, they've got their names on the
2: cup. Yeah, they can thank Oduya, Keith, and Jomerson for that. And Corey Crawford.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we, we've, we're we talking about Kyle Comiskey and David Runblad, So that means it's time to end yeah. this episode. I'm all nice and pissed medicine. off. I
2: got to go home.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were keeping you from your drinking, Mills, and, and from Dynamite. I so think I'm you may sure. have just caused my drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, either way, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> But thank you very much for listening to this episode of Musings on Madison. We'll probably do another one next week looking ahead to the draft. And then uh, stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com because we'll uh, have some we'll have something for the draft and then we'll when they actually make the picks or the trades or whatever they do next weekend, I'm sure we'll be running about that plenty. Uh, I'm at D M L57, Shay's at Shepard Price, Mills at mill 182. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. The main account is at 2 ndcityhockey And, uh, yeah, we'll be around for the next few weeks before uh, we all sail off to uh, our our summer vacations, whatever that is. Uh, Spoiler alert for most of us, it's probably not anywhere that all the NHL people get to go to because we're not rich like them. Not yet. Not yet, exactly. But that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Question number one.